Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. How will you spend these 40 days? Today's gospel finds Jesus at his baptism. The humble man from Nazareth joins the crowd at the river. John baptizes Jesus and the heavens open. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And immediately, immediately the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, the desert. Now the transition seems a little rough. We are, after all, just in the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, the very beginning. Jesus has just appeared on the scene. He's on the stage for one dramatic moment, and then he's rushed into the wilderness, the desert, the desolate place. Jesus does not speak a word, not until he has been through the desert. He's out there for 40 days and 40 nights. We're at the beginning of a Lenten journey, 40 days of fasting, of prayer, of self-examination and preparation. The number is not insignificant. Jesus' 40 days echoes the 40 days or the 40 years Israel spent out there in the wilderness. Theologians tell us that the time period was important. For Israel, it took time to move from the mindset of slavery to be ready for self-government. Out in the wilderness, Moses and God's liberated people find a new identity. They receive God's promises, God's law. Out in the wilderness, they form a new sense of self. They will be slaves no more. They will be God's chosen people, God's redeemed people. They will welcome the stranger. They will not mimic the ways of their oppressors. Jesus' wilderness is also about identity. Mark doesn't give us many specifics about the desert. The gospel tells us Jesus was tempted and waited on by angels. And Jesus was with the wild beasts. That's my favorite part. The wild beasts let you know this wasn't a safe retreat. There's danger in the desert. We don't know exactly what happens, but we know Jesus comes back changed and ready to preach. Jesus comes back with a powerful word. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. The Jesuit professor John Sabrino of El Salvador points to this announcement of Jesus as the central teaching of Christianity. And Sabrino has been cautioned by the Vatican for this position a fact which makes Episcopalians usually want to pay closer attention. (laughs) The Vatican was nervous. The historic church thinks his ideas could upset them. Okay, we're interested. (laughs) Sabrino and his sister and brother liberation theologians ask dangerously, what would Jesus want the church to teach? We've spent part of February thinking about the teachings of the church. On the first Sunday in February, we had an adult forum that talked about the role the church had in supporting slavery, supporting segregation. We have not had an easy history of always following what Jesus would want us to teach, Sabrino says. Sabrino asks the church, 
What is the center of our faith? We often place the cross at the center of our churches, but as you read the Gospels, that's not true for Jesus. The cross is not always the center. Jesus placed the kingdom of God at the center of his preaching. Jesus' first words in Mark's Gospel, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. For Sabrino, the cross is important, but not central. The cross is directional. The cross points. The cross teaches us about the kingdom, the central content of Jesus' message. Jesus is willing to suffer, to overcome the systems of power and death which dominate our world. Jesus goes through the trial of the desert. Jesus undergoes the questioning of his peers and persecution at the hands of the authorities. Jesus is executed as a traitor. Jesus overcomes death to point beyond the cross, beyond the grave. The kingdom is at hand. You do not have to live like this. You do not have to die like this. Another world is possible. Another way is possible. Human beings can treat one another with love. We can base our interactions on God's justice. We can protect the vulnerable. The lowly can be lifted up. The sick can find healing. God so loved the world and God so loved human beings that God stepped into the mess. God sent Jesus, the only son, the beloved child, to point us in a different direction. We can live at peace with one another. We can live in harmony with our planet. The kingdom of God has come near. That message, Jesus' message, is the message that John Sabrino thinks the church should preach. The theologian gets in trouble because he asks, for what? Jesus died for what? Jesus was raised for what? We are saved for what? Sabrino says the center of Christian teaching is not the cross, but where the cross points. To the kingdom, to the reign of God, that promised way of living, that longed-for reality of justice, hope, and love. We are a people who know a little bit about suffering. We are a people who know the wilderness. Columbine, Virginia Tech, Orlando, Las Vegas, Sutherland Springs, Sandy Hook, Stoneman Douglas High School. We have been wandering for a long time. I began the list with Columbine because that shooting happened when I was in high school. I was a sophomore. Columbine is just a few miles from my high school in Jefferson County, in the same school district in Colorado. I had elementary school classmates at Columbine that day. No one I knew died, but the day dramatically shifted my own sense of safety at school and that of my peers. Since Columbine, our gun laws have gotten less protective in this country. The kind of gun the perpetrator used this week, the AR-15, was illegal in 1999. Today, a disturbed 18-year-old can purchase one without a waiting period in Florida and in Missouri. This week, 
a Missouri House committee will hold a hearing on a measure seeking to override your vestry on guns. On March 5, 2016, the vestry unanimously passed a resolution declaring Holy Communion a gun-free zone. We passed this resolution and we posted signs on our doors because the new concealed carry law in Missouri liberally expanded the places where guns could be carried and said churches had to actively declare guns weren't permitted. The new piece of legislation that's proposed, it would repeal our ability to designate our church a gun-free zone. Whatever happens, our signs aren't coming down. If we have to sue the state of Missouri, we will. Holy Communion will remain a gun-free zone. Our gun laws are getting looser and mass shootings continue. We are wandering in the wilderness. We have been wandering in this wilderness my whole adult life. Young people keep getting shot in our classrooms and in our streets. Young black men die at an alarming rate in this city, victims of a gun violence epidemic that we're hesitant to name as such. And I have to wonder how much the predominant race of the folks dying has to play in our unwillingness to name it. When will we stop wandering? When will we say enough is enough? When will we work to find our way out? When will we stop our wandering, do our work, and chart a course home? When will we learn the lesson of this desert? In today's gospel, Jesus announces the kingdom of God is at hand. But first, we have to turn. Listen again to Jesus' words. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Repent. That word in English is laden with meaning, not all of it positive. Probably because it sounds so much like the word penance. Repent conjures images of sackcloth, confession, kneeling. How many Hail Marys must I say? The Greek word is more conceptual. The original word metanoia, which we translate repent, it meant more exactly change your mindset. Change your mindset. Contextually, I think that translation makes more sense. The kingdom of God has come near. Change your mindset. I dare say John Sabrino agrees with me. Sabrino writes not only of the kingdom of God, but also of the reality of our world. He calls the value system in our world so opposed to the justice of God, the anti-kingdom. We seem to believe that injustice has the last word. We behave like there is no hope. We live with the violence, persecution, with poverty, and with death. Change your mindset. Have courage. Turn from the anti-kingdom to the kingdom. Repent. The 12 steppers among us can tell you the first step to making a change is admitting you have a problem. I'm not sure we've made our confession. I'm not sure still, even after this week, that we admit the scope of our problem as a society. It is one thing to face your own personal sin. It's an important thing. It is quite another to admit you have a problem as a nation.
That kind of confession takes organizing. That kind of confession takes public testimony. That kind of confession will take courageous walkouts by students and teachers who refuse to re-enter the classroom until our legislators have made them safe. Until we refuse to accept business as usual, until we make someone who supports guns on school campuses and in churches unelectable, until that is the state of our discourse, we will have not admitted we have a problem. Gun violence has been my primary exemplar today. We could point to others. We could confess this Lent all manner of sins, public and private. This Lent, my question to you is simple. How will you use this wilderness time? How will you make sense of these days? Will you repent? Will you change your mindset? Will you pray not only for consolation, but for courage? Will you ask God not just for solace, but for strength? Will you use this wilderness time not just for wandering, but to gather yourself up? Will you make your way through the desert and be formed to live differently, to live for God's kingdom? Amen.